Praise the Lord. And it is good, of course, to have our mini AYM team here because we've split them in half. Amen. And we're going to hear from them later on this morning, and I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Is anyone else looking forward to that? Amen. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. For those of you who are at our joint service last night, uh, my Lord, what a powerful service it was. Amen. I think um, everything from the very beginning, the testimonies and the worship and everything that was said really kind of just flowed together and it was, um, it was really quite amazing. Something special happens when God's people get together and begin to worship Him and praise Him. Amen. So I'm looking forward to this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. And now we're going to start our new series. We finished up our series last week, Contagious Christianity. And now I want us to take more of a look inside. Turn to the person next to you and say, oh no. I was telling Brother Kenneth before I came up here, I was going through this and preparing for this session. And I was like, my Lord, I need this just as much as the church does. Forget about teaching to the church. I'm just going to read it for myself. <laughs> we don't like to look inside sometimes. True story. We often like to just try and uh, bury things out of sight and hope that nobody notices them and hope that things don't come out. And so we're going to begin our new series this morning, Cross My Heart. Turn to the person next to you say, Cross My Heart. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? We're going to go to the book of Jeremiah this morning. Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, everyone say amen when you're there, it says the heart, everyone say the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it, like I said, we don't like to look on the inside sometimes, do we? Amen. Earlier this year, uh, back in March, on the uh, uh, I-70 interstate in Colorado, just outside of Denver in America, there was an avalanche that happened. It was a very sudden avalanche. You all know what an avalanche is, right? It's where there's mountains that are covered with snow, and then all of a sudden the snow slips and this cascade of snow comes flying down the mountain in a cloud. And it, it buries everything that it crosses. And the I-70 runs right between some mountains in Colorado. And it was in March earlier this year when all of a sudden, with no warning, there was an avalanche. And this snow came down as cars were driving on the I-70. And several cars ended up getting buried in snow with people inside them still. They were just driving through the mountains. And so they had to wait until someone could come along and, and dig them out. And thankfully, nobody died. Because I can imagine that if you are in a car covered by snow in winter, it's going to get cold. Amen. 
And so nobody died, but it was very, very sudden, even though that there were warnings saying this might happen, this could happen, perhaps it should happen or, or something could happen. Nothing like this had happened for about 80 years. And then all of a sudden, the avalanche happened and people were trapped and people's lives could have been changed dramatically. Another good illustration of what we're going to talk about is those people who have heart attacks all of a sudden. I was looking on the Heart Foundation website um, yesterday when I was preparing for this, and it tells the story of a lady who was 35 years old. And all of a sudden, she had a heart attack while she was just out on a boat in Sydney Harbor with some friends. I was like, my Lord, I'm 35. <laughs> I better start watching what I eat. <laughs> but it happened suddenly. Even though there was a few warning signs and, and little things that had happened to alert her that everything was not quite 100%, all of a sudden... Her life was changed by a sudden heart attack, amen. And, and so often with heart attack, people just kind of ignore it, don't they? They ignore the symptoms. They ignore the warning signs. They ignore the way that they're living their lives. And all of a sudden, they happen, and a heart attack occurs, and, and they're like, what? what went wrong? Amen. Cardiologists use a procedure called an arteriogram to diagnose the health of a patient's heart. It's an x-ray where they inject dye into your bloodstream and then take an x-ray so they can see all your arteries and veins and then they can go and pinpoint where there's blockages in your artery. They can say, okay, blood's not getting through there. We need to fix that up. We need to put a, a stent in there. But apart from that, there really is no way to detect a life-threatening heart problem. Did you know that? For many, many years, people can live with conditions and symptoms that things are not quite right in their heart, but often these things are not directly associated to heart problems. Don't worry, I'm getting to a point. Sometimes these symptoms include things like back pain. I just think my back's a bit sore today. Inability to sleep. I have problems with that too sometimes. Anxiety, loss of appetite, nausea, vision change, memory loss. But people don't associate those things with a, a deeper problem that's going on in their heart. And often these things get treated, the symptoms get treated, but the, the root cause is never addressed. Amen. The problem is, is that when you take this approach, just treating the symptoms, you never identify the real culprit. It's masked. You think everything is okay. And it delays the actual treatment of the problem you have with your heart. Amen. And so the problem generally tends to get worse as you get older. But here's the thing. Physical heart disease parallels spiritual heart disease. You have another heart. Did you know that? That's the invisible part of you that philosophers, poets, and preachers refer to all the time. You just got to give your heart to the Lord. Amen. 
It's that thing that got broken in ninth grade when that girl you had a crush on said, I just want to be your friend. That cute boy who started dating your best friend instead of you. It's that part of you that swells up with pride when you, when you see your kids do something great. We were driving down to Turning Point down in Townsville and, and Jonathan got on those monkey rope things and he climbed all the way up to the very top and I was filled with pride that he was brave enough and strong enough to get himself up there without a bit of fear. It's like, I'm going to the top. Pride. My heart filled up with pride. It's that thing that gets nostalgic when you hear a song from when you first started dating your wife. There's some songs that I hear and I oh, we played that one at our wedding. I remember dancing to that song. It's that mysterious, wonderful, confusing part of your life that allows you to love, to laugh, to experience fear, to experience life. It is that part of your life in which relationships happen and in which relationships are broken. And often we are tempted to treat the symptoms that stem from an unhealthy spiritual heart while ignoring the deeper issues. But as is the case with our physical heart, eventually the root problem will become the real problem. Just as a heart attack has the potential to completely change, even destroy your body, so spiritual heart disease has the potential to destroy you and your relationships that you hold most valuable. Life can be hard on our heart, spiritually speaking. Because the world is full of outside influences that have the power to disrupt the rhythm of our spiritual heart. And of course, the other problem that we face when considering our heart is that over time, we develop habits that gently erode our heart's sensitivity to the things of the Lord. The inevitable pain and disappointment of life causes you to build walls around your heart and to build walls around your life so you don't experience that hurt and that pain again. And at the end of the day, your heart gets out of sync with the rhythm that God had created it to maintain. Amen. And if we leave our heart alone, eventually heart attackers will linger for a lifetime and they will do incredible damage. And so as Christians who are living to make a difference in our world, amen, as Christians who are wanting to make a difference in our community, we need to learn to monitor our hearts, not our behavior. And there's a difference. You see, the reason that we rarely stop to monitor our hearts is that it's never encouraged. Think about it. As children, when we grow up, we are taught to monitor our behavior. Amen? It's true. When I was a young boy, I learned that if I lost my temper and kicked my toys across my room in a rage because daddy had told me to clean up, inevitably 
there would be discipline on the way. And it was painful. So I learned that I could mutter under my breath and harbor a bad attitude in my heart while pretending that everything is okay on the outside and doing what I had been told, adjusting my behavior to meet the expectation of my parents. I avoided the discipline. But it didn't deal with the condition of my heart. And see, as we grow up, as children, as we grow up into teenagers, into young adults, we, we are taught that if we just modify our behavior, if we monitor our behavior, everybody will think that everything is okay in our life. When the reality is, the inside is full of spiritual heart disease. You see, we've modified our behavior to avoid pain, and we've been doing it ever since we were kids. And so we've become so much better. We've become very, very good at monitoring our behavior. we become very good at making sure we don't say the wrong thing or act the wrong way or, or do the wrong thing. But we're so inexperienced at monitoring the condition of our heart. The problem is, is that if you are pretending all the time through your behavior that everything is all right, it allows you to ignore the true condition of your heart. Are you with me so far? And these unresolved issues, eventually, the real you is going to outpace your attempts to monitor and to filter everything you say and do. And eventually, those unresolved issues in your heart will work their way out to the surface. Specifically, they seep into your actions, into your character, into your relationship. And if you continue to leave your heart unmonitored and unattended to, Eventually, things will worsen to the point that you are no longer able to contain it with carefully managed and selected words and carefully curated actions. Amen. Maybe this morning you've noticed that things have started to slip a bit. Maybe you've always been able to control your anger. But lately there's been a, an edge to your voice that scares even you. Like I said, we don't like to look on the inside sometimes, do we? You know you should be happy about the good thing that's happened to your friend. But for some reason, you're not. In fact, you resent them for it. You behave like everything is okay, but it's not. These, these things that you observe in your life as the, the inside man or woman starts to bleed into the outside, as it begins to merge with what's on the outside, these are symptoms of an internal struggle that is deeper, stemming from a heart that has not been monitored, not been guarded. The truth is, is that your heart is under assault. And it could be 
it could be that you are losing. Primarily, simply through neglect. Because you have not been monitoring it closely. Some evidence of this internal battle includes statements like this. Have you ever said any of these in your mind or even out loud? I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just did that. Or maybe this one, that's not like me. Or maybe after you've been acting not like you for a while, you start saying something like, that's just the way I am. Hello? What about this one? I just lost it. You ever had that person cut you off in traffic? Ooh, yeah, praise you, Jesus. I just lost it. I don't know where that came from. So where did it come from? I'll tell you. It came from your heart. You think that your behavior was an exception, and in one way it was. It was an exception to your general rule that I'm not going to let anything that's going on on the inside affect what's on the outside. But in the reality... That embarrassing mistake was not an exception to what is in your heart. It is a rare reflection of your heart that you've allowed out into the real world for others to see. Like I said, we become so skillful, so good at monitoring and filtering our behavior that we hide these things in our heart. And we can look a brother in the eye and say, oh, God bless you, brother. I'm so glad to see you. When your heart is saying, you irritate me so much. Come on, I'm being real here. Amen. Have you ever heard someone say this? Oh, he's got such a good heart. You ever heard that? I've heard that. But that's not true. That's wrong. The scripture we read in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, let me read it in the the ESV version. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Nobody has got a good heart. We all have hearts that are in need of changing. The people who are closest to you, your family, your friends, your loved ones. They routinely catch the flack, if I could put it like this, thrown off by the explosive stuff that you work so hard to keep hidden from everybody else. It doesn't come out among casual acquaintances or social settings. It comes out amongst those who are closest to you. When you've turned off the safety valve, when you've let down your defenses, it happens in the homes It happens at the shopping centers with your boys and your girls. It happens on the school grounds with your friends. It happens in the universities where where nobody else is around and you're just with your closest friends. This is why we actually hurt the ones we love the most. Amen? We are mad, but we don't know why. We are discontent, but we can find no real reason to feel 
that way. We're resentful towards certain types of people, even though they have done nothing to deserve it. We're jealous while knowing all the time that it is foolish to dislike somebody just because they have something that we do not. None of these things make sense, do they? None of them make sense, but they're real. And they happen in my heart. And they happen in your heart. Because the heart is deceitful, amen? And if we leave these things unchecked, they have the potential to drive us into self-destructive and relationship-wrecking behavior patterns, amen? Because your heart seeps into every conversation. It dictates every relationship. It impacts the intensity of your communication. It exaggerates your sensitivities and your insensitivities. Everything passes through your heart. People have even developed language to describe when things get lodged in their hearts. You ever heard this one? I'll never let anyone hurt me like that again. Out of their mouth pours the junk that is connected to a wounded heart and they will turn around and insist that you are their problem. But the reality is, is that hurt people hurt people. Amen? And so as we begin this series, we are challenged to listen to our heart. Got your Bibles, grab them. We're going to go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the, where? The heart. And they defile a man. Here is the thing. Your mouth, everyone go, your mouth is a stethoscope. Sure, we'll keep repeating. To listen to your heart. Amen. You know what a stethoscope is, right? It's those things that doctors plug into their ears and they put it on your, over your heart and they can listen to your heartbeat. Spiritually speaking, your mouth is the stethoscope to listen to your heart. You ever wonder what the condition of your heart is? Listen to the things that come out of your mouth because they issue forth from your heart. And they will help you know if your heart is right or your heart is wrong. Amen. For out of the heart, verse 19, proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thieves, false witness, blasphemies. Heart issues make intimacy difficult to maintain because intimacy revolves around knowing and being known. 
Secrets damage the heart because they make us build walls in our relationship. And that's because we usually suspect in others what we are guilty of ourselves. Amen. And if you leave these things unresolved all the way down to the final conclusion, sometimes these unresolved hurts can run so deep that they erase a person's faith in God. Because they just cannot believe in a God who would let that happen to them or to somebody that they love. So you need to listen to your mouth to check in with how your heart is doing. You need to listen to your thoughts. Like I said, we are very, very good at monitoring our behavior and our thoughts. But have you ever stopped when you've had a thought and gone, my Lord, where did that come from? Frequently. I've stopped and gone, whoa, man, that is so wrong. Why in the world would I even think that? Because it's coming from the heart. It can't help itself. Your mind is not in control. Your heart is. Your heart is the one that is feeding your mouth and feeding your mind. So my question for you today as we begin our first series is how are things with your heart? This is really uncomfortable, isn't it? We don't like to look on the inside. And if you think about it, think about this world that we live in, the social settings that we associate with people and stuff like that. We like to ask things like, so how's your career going? How's your family going? How's your job going? How's your financial planning going? But it's very, very rare someone will actually stop and say, how is things going in your heart? Because this whole world likes to keep things external. Amen. How's your reputation? That doesn't matter. It's all external. How is your heart? It's an awkward question, isn't it? This whole series is going to be real awkward. But I promise you, by the end of it, our hearts are going to be in better condition. Our hearts are going to be in better condition. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, Above all, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. We need more than a sophisticated filter for our behavior. Amen? We need a new heart. That's the reality. We need a heart transplant. Christianity is not about behaving right. It's not about just having a Christian filter on our life, but it's about getting a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. The Lord says this, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, a heart that feels, a heart that doesn't have any walls, a heart that seeks after the things of God. Only God can give us a new heart. You see, just think about this in Ezekiel. Who was God speaking to? 
He was speaking to the children of Israel. You see, God had already given them the top ten things not to do. If I could put it that way. They already had the Ten Commandments. They already had the law of Moses. They already had a list of behaviors that they could follow. And if they could follow all of those behaviors, they would be good. But even with written down specific instructions on how to live for God, God realized these people cannot follow the behaviors with their current heart. They need a new heart. And when we come into church, we, we know all the behaviors. We know how to lift our hands. We know how to say hallelujah. We know how to clap our hands. We know how to jump up and down. We, we know how to sing all the songs. We know all the words. We know how the program goes. But all these things are just behaviors. And they are irrelevant if the heart is not right. They are relevant if the heart is not in a good condition. So how's your heart? You know, if you ever want to make a doctor laugh, go to the doctor and say, doctor, fix my heart. When you fix my heart, then I can exercise more. No. The doctor's going to say, no, 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 no. You go exercise more, and then it will fix your heart. Hello? Hello? It's a true story. So how long do you plan to let people and circumstances that have hurt you control you? Pick a date. Okay. From this day, I am not going to allow that to affect me anymore. It's not just, a, oh, I'm going to pray a prayer and God will take it away. No. Make a decision in your mind. I'm going to start taking control of my heart. I'm going to start monitoring my heart. Better. How long are you going to let it go on? A day? A week? A month? A year? A decade? Until the day you die? So many times in so many churches, Christians hold on to these things for years. I've told, I think I've told you my story. Let me tell you a story. Someone offended me once. It happens in church, believe it or not. Newsflash, church is not perfect. Hello? Someone offended me once. And the offense was, it was a gent, they shouldn't have done what they did to me. It was not right. It was downright wrong. The problem was, I didn't forgive them. I held on to that. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And for something like six years, I held on to that. I refused to let it go. I refused. This was another brother in the church. I refused to shake his hand when I saw him at conference. I refused to speak to him. If I saw him coming, I'd walk the other direction. He never came to me and said he was sorry. He never said sorry for what he did to me. For six years, I held on to this. Until one day at an altar, God dealt not with my mind, not with my mouth, but he dealt with my heart. And he said, the sin that you are committing by holding this grudge against this brother is far greater than any offense that he might have caused to you in the years gone by. And God just broke me. And I realized, I, I went to that brother, I was weeping. I said, I am so sorry. I have held on to this for so long. I'm feeling emotional about it now. I said, I held on to this for so long. Please, can you forgive me? 
and, and we made up and he forgave me. And I realized about a year after that, that for six long years, my walk with God was just flat. Nothing happened in my life. I came to church. I lifted my hands. I sung the songs. I clapped my hands. I even got up and ministered. I knew all the right behaviors. But my heart was wrong. And it wasn't until I got my heart fixed that God began to use me again. And I began to grow more. And I began to learn more. How is your heart? Are you angry with anybody? Are you waiting around for somebody to come and make things right? Have you ever had an extended imaginary conversation with anybody? I've done that before. Oh, you know what? If that person came and said this to me, I would say that to them. And then they would probably say this. And then I would say that. And then they're going to say this. And then bang, I've got them right where I want them. Hello? Imaginary conversations. Do things come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you feel like you have to apologize for? Have you ever secretly celebrated somebody else's failure in the last month? Do you have any secrets that are eating at your heart? Is there something going on in your life that you hope that nobody else discovers? Is there a question you hope nobody asks you? Have you ever lied to somebody that you love because you were trying to hide things from them? Hmm. How is your heart this morning? How is your heart this morning? I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. Why don't we just stand right now? God is just wanting to do a work on our heart through this series. I can feel it. When I opened up this series and I began to put together my notes, I just felt God's presence confirming this. And and I know that, you know, we like to have the right behaviors, but... What's our heart like this morning? What's our heart like this morning? There is nobody who can sit back and say, my heart's perfect. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. You might think it's all right, but check in with your heart because it could be deceiving you this morning.